I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh my God, you guys are my favorite. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Rich Eisen. I know what I'm talking about. That's the headline. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. This stupid rule that you fumble the ball into the end zone, you lose possession, and the defense gets it. The XFL and the USFL. Now you fumble through the end zone, you get the ball back on offense at the spot of where you fumbled it. Today's guests, NFL Network insider Tom Pelissero, quarterback consultant Jordan Palmer, actor and comedian David Cross. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Well, yes, yes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. I'm back sitting here in the chair in Los Angeles, California. Thrilled to be seen live on the Roku channel after a a uh, two-day, two-show respite. And uh, in celebration of that, I'm wearing Roku purple. That's exactly hey, how I'm rolling today. Hey. I'm a company stooge, hey. and I don't care who knows it. You know, that's that's what happens when you take two days off. You clear your head. I don't care. Um, but I'm back here on the program here on the Roku channel, live also on this terrestrial radio affiliate, smart enough to have a Sirius XM Odyssey, our podcast. We love our podcast listeners who check in with us on the Cumulus Podcast Network all three hours every single day. Our YouTube page, we're over uh, uh, 521,000 subscribers now there and growing. We're appreciative of that. And, of course, our relationship with Roku and the Roku channel. If you miss anything, we re-air as soon as this show is over on Channel 210. There's the Rich Eisen Show collection page. That's a very fancy way of saying we're video on demand on the Roku channel, which is free. On all Roku devices, select Samsung Smart TVs, Amazon Fire TV. We're free on the Roku app and the RokuChannel.com for all those out there on the Internet tubes. Uh, I want to thank uh, Kirk Morrison for sitting in this chair on uh, on Friday. And then uh, uh, it's remarkable. Um, I did not have to readjust the chair after John Sally did it yesterday. I appreciate him not having. I thought for sure I would have to, you know, lower the chair. He didn't touch it. He just sat right here. No, he just sat right yeah. there. He has very long legs for a well, guy seven feet tall. Well, I mean, that's what happens when you're seven feet tall. <laughs> you know, some people have long legs and long torsos. Or Do you just... really check out people's torsos, Chris? Is some that the people one? have really long torsos? Good to know. Uh, Not Sally, really long legs. Now I feel judged. Um, but uh, okay, I'm glad you're, you're there. A, you're appropriately proportioned. Thank you, sir. No problem. How are you? Great. 
Good to see you, DJ Mikey D. Is Good indeed. to see now, you, Rich. TJ Jefferson, the candle. Wow. Is that an aroma candle? You got it yeah, three times sure. over it's there. It's evening fireside. And I thought these pants were black when I put them on this they're morning. Green. They're no, green. They're very green. My whole color scheme is thrown off now, so I, I'm going to be uncomfortable. Yo, your Christmas thing with the red Yeah, shoes. man. I got to put more light in my bedroom, clearly. Well, good to see you over there, sir. What is happening? Good to see you. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to chime in uh, as if I was, uh, I was here yesterday. Right. I'm gonna cool. chime in. I'm gonna chime in on the NBA All Star game. I know that's what a lot of people have been chiming in about in these uh, in these parts, right? Uh, I I want to I want to start off with that. Uh, I'm watching the NBA All Star game. Coop, who's now 12, um, turns to me and goes, "Dad, why aren't they playing defense?" Yeah. <laughs> well, well. Uh, and I'm like, you know, uh, it's an All Star game, and it's kind of difficult to hear this because you know All Star games used to be for me. Moments where everybody showed up in their own uniforms, right? Like their that. own warm-up uniforms instead of, the, you know, the, the all-star jerseys and uniform warm-up jackets that Coop, NBA, would like me to buy for you. If you say, hey, Dad, I like that. Okay, let me go right now to NBA.com and, and, and dial it up. The same way that every, in the same way that, that baseball does it for their all-star games, in the same way that the NFL used to do it for their Pro Bowl, now Pro Bowl games or whatever the heck they – they have morphed into it because we saw everybody stop playing defense. And the Pro Bowl in the NFL used to be, you know, hardcore for a old school. And then they stopped playing defense until the fourth quarter when the players in the NFL Pro Bowl used to do the math in their heads and say, okay, so I get this much more if I win than if I lose. And this is how much it's cost to take the entire family to Hawaii this week. And so I'm actually up if I win and I'm in the red if I lose. I better start playing defense. That's literally the way it used to go in the NFL. True. For the Pro Bowl. When I started covering it in the early aughts. But defense actually happened. Glorified layup line? Is that who who called it that? Which which player called it? I think Jalen Brown called it a glorified Jaylen layup line. Not happening. And this is after his teammate went for the double nickel and hosted yeah. the MVP. And they had some cool moments going at each other one-on-one. Of course, they were on opposite teams. And then Shea Gilgis Alexander, he was upset because <laughs> LeBron blocked his shot. He's right. kind of like, what, what's up with that? SGA afterwards, he, he's like, what, what's up with that? LeBron's letting Olaying everything. You saw Tatum jam one down, and LeBron, his arms are in the – like, it, it looked in real time like he attempted to block the shot, but in a still photograph, <laughs> LeBron's arms are in the air way past Tatum, who had yet to jam it in. LeBron didn't want to be on a poster. And, you know, I mean, is it is it is it brutal that, you know, all-star games aren't what they used to be anymore in any sport? Yeah, it's just a bummer. It is a bummer, you know, and it's tough to come on and pound a table and say this is so outrageous. It is a bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer, and I've seen, you know, fixes certainly for the NBA all-star game in the, the first blush of the 24-48 hours since that glorified layup line and 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 I know that the the NBA now has uh in the fourth quarter a fixed score that the team that enters the fourth quarter with more points than the other team has a better shot of being the first to that score that's how you determine who wins it and thus defense starts to maybe get played in the fourth quarter but you know uh, it, it's just not a game anymore and if you're trying to tune into an all-star game to watch a game you're not going to see one 
You're just not going to see one anymore. So either we have to change our expectations or the leagues have got to tell these players play defense. Or how about this? If you want, I'm, I, I thought a lot about it. This is what happens when you're sitting around a fire, as I was yesterday, having a glass of Cabernet. Oh, oh, nice. yeah. oh no, it's, it's good. <laughs> as you know, I'm, I'm a gold medal apres skier who doesn't ski. So <laughs> Best in the world. Well, I mean, I should ski, but that's a different it's, story for a different It's dangerous, story. Rich. All I'm saying is this. <laughs> sitting around, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, what, why is there no defense anymore in these All-Star games? And, and part of it, I think, has to do with the players um, are all friends with each other. And in the day when we grew up, when players were all friends with each other, it still didn't matter when they played each other. They still wanted to rip each other's hearts out and show it to them pumping. And I don't think these athletes of our current time are like that anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think they really care about losing in a game like this because they all go back to their lives and are very happy. And I'm, I'm not just saying this is the NBA. It's the NFL, too. You also don't want to get hurt in any of these games. Right. Yeah, that's the You know what thing. I mean? And 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 so it doesn't matter that the days of, of us growing up where the competition really mattered more than anything else, that it didn't matter like Jordan back in the day where losing a game of – quarters or pennies or to to the security, to the security guard <laughs> you know where he he had to win everything right those days are gone and they're not coming back and another and part and parcel of that is the conversation that i know that kevin durant and kyrie irving had with the media leading up to the nba all-star game is that them saying i don't want to play for the team that i'm contractually obligated to for the next several years I don't want to play for him anymore, so I say I don't want to play for you anymore, and I should get to go wherever I want. I should I should declare free agency whenever I darn well please in the middle of a long-term contract because it's more interesting, as I think Durant said for the NBA, or Kyrie said, I don't think it's, you know, out of the realm to say, I don't get along with every employer. Oh, by the way, when he said that, I'm like, oh, really? No, Tell no, me more about no, that. No this just in, huh? That he, that he shouldn't have to, you know, live with that. As if the rest of us in, in, on planet Earth can relate to that. I like uh, you. I appreciate that. But if you didn't, and you said you wanted to go, well, we don't have contracts here, so yeah, you can just go. I got the analogy ends <laughs> right there. Yeah, you, you could just go. I got, I got, I got nowhere to be anyway. So I like it here. But that's another part and parcel of this. It it, re, it really is that this day and age where. I can go wherever I want to go because I'm as great as I am. And I, all I got to do is say the word and and the governors have to let me go. So why should there be any competition for a game that doesn't count? When the competition aspect of I'm going to beat you with my five against your five. No, no. You know, my five's not as good anymore. And the governor of this team told me it was going to be good. So guess what? I want out and I'll go play with somebody else who I kind of love as a person, and I don't care about beating with my current team. You see what I'm saying? I, I, I don't know if, again, the altitude was getting my, my mind going. You know, at 10,000 feet, you, you can't breathe, <laughs> and you, you, feel, you feel every ounce of your body weight, and, and, and you start thinking crazy things. I'm serious. Saying, saying why did it not matter, the competition? 
And also, it doesn't matter. And the fact that you're choosing the team before the game. Also, they changed it so no one would get their feelings hurt by being picked last. Although Jaron Jackson Jr. was. And and as far as I'm concerned, you know what? And that's how I'm going to bring it on full circle. I'm going to bring it on full circle right here. Is that if you're Jaron Jackson Jr., if you're Triple J, you're thinking, to hell with all these guys. To hell with all of them. Because it should hurt you that you're picked last. And again, this is coming from somebody who got picked last a lot in in, uh, in grade school. Should it though, Rich? I mean, you're the 24 yes, best should. players in the world. Someone's yes, going to get picked should. last. And to bring it all full circle, I have a new favorite team here on the Rich Eisen Show. I am rooting for the Memphis Grizzlies because any team in the NBA that's coming for you and doesn't care who you are or what you play for and who you play for, and I'm going to puff my chest out. And I'm going to tell you, I don't have any leg to stand on with my current resume of how many rings there are in the closet, I think we can beat you with our current team. Nobody asking out. Nobody's saying that, you know, uh, let's swap jerseys after the game and hug it out. They're, They're angry. They're stirring it up old school more than any team in the NBA through the first half of this season. Half in quotes. I'm rooting for the Memphis Grizzlies. I want them to win it all. And I want them to tear it apart. And I want Jaron Jackson to say, okay, picked last. My ass, defensive player of the year. He's just not buddies with, with LeBron and Giannis, right? I mean, fired up. Because everybody doesn't like that. I am rooting, <laughs> hey, I am rooting for the Memphis Grizzlies. I want them to, is there another team that just talks it, tries to walk it, does walk it a lot? They're like the old school. We're going to put you on your ass if you're coming down the lane. And they talk like they've got five rings in the case. They do. Grizzlies are not a very well-liked team. So I know that. But now, the only one. now we are liking them. We're on their wagon. Me? After this whole... Yes. At least I am. I mean, I got I got enough teams, I think. I got it. <laughs> you see what I'm picking? Are you picking down what I'm... Uh, or picking up I what can, I'm putting down here? West team. They could be my West team. Why not? Why not? All right, I'm in. Because I have John Fantasy. I'm in. I'm sure they swap jerseys after the game or whatever, but they they don't care. They're coming for you. Old school. Like John Sally, who sat in his chair yesterday. And again, I think I'm making maybe a little bit more out of the NBA All-Star game than not, but it just... I don't know, man. More Mac McClung and less layup line. That's what I want. More Dane time. Pulling up from 50 feet? I love him. <laughs> layup line. He's he's pulling up from he's pulling up from the logo in the parking lot, man. So that was my take on the NBA All Star Game. Watching it. What say you? Eight four four two zero four. Rich number to dial in this program. Tom Pelissero is going to join us in uh, in six and a half minutes. Today's the first day the teams can um, apply franchise tags. That's the terms of the teams use. We're applying the franchise tag. Anybody who doesn't want the franchise tag, as you know, gets it slapped on them. Slapped. The team has slapped a franchise tag on a player. Today is the first day in which t- tags can be applied or, or slapped. And what does that mean? Is Aaron Rodgers out of the dark or not? We don't know. Derek Carr visited with the Jets. They really enjoyed each other. They enjoyed each other's company. Went well. Does Daniel Jones really want $45 million That's a year? That's insane. I do. 
I mean, why? Yeah, why I'd wouldn't like, he? I'd like of course he would. Sure, <laughs> sir. So do I. Me too. There is the door <laughs> through which three very nice people from Nebraska just crashed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course he wants it, Rich. Yeah, he wants forty-five million dollars. He wants the same as Patrick Mahomes. Just I want that out on the record. The guy who just won the Super Bowl, Patrick yeah, Mahomes, MVP and the Super Bowl, probably Gosh. already a Hall of Famer. Is this the best league ever? Or he what? wants that. Much. It is pretty. Good. One week from today, pretty. one week, no off season. One week from today, I'm on a plane to Indianapolis for the combine. Yep. It's Wait. right there, man. Right around the corner, and C.J. Stroud. And Bryce Young are vying for that first overall selection, if it's the Bears or not. There's Will Anderson, there's Jalen Carter, but in terms of the quarterbacks, Jordan Palmer, who's one of the best at getting these kids ready for the next level and also working with pros, working with college players, um, throwing guru, however you want to call it, Jordan Palmer's joining us top of hour number two to help us kick off our talent evaluation Portion of the calendar coverage. It's combine and draft season, in other words. Combine it with the free agency and the franchise tags, and what you've got is the NFL offseason, which really is not an off of a season at all. Hour number three in studio. One of my favorites. I loved Mr. Show with uh, Bob and David, Odin Kirk and David Cross. Tobias Funke of Arrested Development World, and now... David Cross, Worst Daddy in the World Tour, a 40-city mm-hmm. spring North American theater tour that's coming to a town near you. David Cross in studio, hour number three of our program. I've got a top five biggest storylines going into the NFL offseason. There's so much more to go on this program. We just started 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Great celebrity true or false setup with David Cross. I need to know if the never-nude cutoff jeans were literally bought in a women's department store. Whoa. That's coming up in hour number three of this program. Um, and, and this is how we're rolling to our first break. So let's take our first let's break. We'll it. come back. And Tom Pelissero, my friend from the NFL Network and NFL Media Group, $45 million a year for Daniel Jones? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets. 
at the Rich Eisen Show, and every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it, and then the all-in prices. That's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all-in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network is back here with the Roku Channel Stream, which is free. Sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial to have a nice chat with us here on this Tuesday, mid-February show. One week from today, I'm heading to the Combine. Coverage on NFL Network began three minutes ago. Uh, and joining me here from the NFL Media Group, my colleague, and uh, frequent uh, Rich Eisen show uh, guest host, Tom Pelissero, back here on the program. How are you doing, Tom? Doing great. How are you, Rich? I'm doing fine, sir. Let's get right into it. What's the current scoop with Aaron Rodgers? Do we know where he is? Lights on, lights out, decision, all that business? What do you got for me? I think at this point, the next thing that I'm going to confidently speak on is when Aaron Rodgers tells the Packers what the hell he wants to do. Honestly, everything up until then is very much on Aaron's own schedule. He's made clear that there are very few people who really know exactly what he's doing at any given moment. What I would say is that despite, you know, whatever reports are coming out on a daily basis and speculation, the first move here belongs to Aaron Rodgers. The Packers cannot trade him if he doesn't want to be traded. He would need to sign a revised contract to allow Green Bay to facilitate a trade. He also could simply say, I'm not going. If they try to trade him to someplace he doesn't want to go, I'll retire. I'm not showing up. So they would have to work through that together. If he wants to return to Green Bay, the Packers, and as long as he's fully bought in, the Packers want him back. They had good conversations after the season. He is still, you know, down the stretch last season. He played at a high level. He kept him in it. Obviously, Week 18 didn't go the way they wanted it to, but there would also need to be further conversations about making sure that everybody's on the same page about the direct direction that the roster and the organization is going. And all that is without him actually telling anybody, including people he knows with other teams, that he's definitely going to play in 2023. So he's going through his process. I do anticipate we're going to have answers sooner than later. Uh, right now, as we sit, and certainly as of last night, uh, there are those answers did not yet exist. This is up to Aaron. Is he $60 million fully guaranteed? Whatever happens from here, the Packers and Rodgers are going to work through it together. Well, and, and I'm sure you know the name Bob McGinn, and you know, you know what uh, that's going to lead to my next question. Bob McGinn having covered the Packers since Don Mikowski was the quarterback and Lindy Infante was the coach, he kind of knows where what's going on in the Green Bay front office, despite having been retired on a day-to-day basis uh, for the last couple of years. He says the Packers are, quote-unquote, disgusted with Rodgers and are done with him. 
what do you what do you make of that report, Tom? I certainly know Bob. I would say nobody has told me that they are disgusted with Aaron Rodgers. I think that it is natural when you give someone a unprecedented type of contract, basically ripping up the remaining contract and giving them what amounts to a three-year, $150 million plus dollar deal like they did last year, you're anticipating you're going to get somebody who's fully bought in and is going to play at a really high level. And it didn't work out that way. In 2022, he had the finger injury that probably impacted him more than people realized at the time. He had some other injuries that he played through. Did, as I, as I said, played better down the stretch as things got going. But then you go right back into the Willie or Walty and, you know, keeping the, the franchise waiting. I think it's natural for people to be frustrated by that. Listen, to win in the NFL, your best players, your highest paid players have to play at a really high level. That was not the case on the whole for Aaron Rodgers with the Packers last year. But again, I would just go back to all I can speak for is what I know, Mm -hmm. which is that if Rodgers wants to play for the Packers and if he is bought into the way that they are want to proceed here, then the Packers want him back. And they would expect that he's going to come back and play really well in 2023. So he's then let's make say, up his mind first. So let's say he doesn't want to play for the Packers anymore um, and he wants to be traded. What does the market look like? We're all assuming Nathaniel Hackett is the new offensive coordinator for the Jets, uh, who just had a meeting with Derek Carr, and they'd be interested. And we're assuming Devontae Adams is in Vegas. But we're assuming, and thus we're assuming the Raiders would be interested in him, despite Josh McDaniels having his set way of doing things being his track record. What What's the market for, for Rodgers outside of Green Bay, Tom? I would anticipate you're going to have several teams involved at least. The challenging part of actually pegging what the trade price is and ultimately the market is you're getting a player who not only is due $60 million this year, but that you're now going to take over the year-to-year Aaron Rodgers watch in other words how much do you give up for a player who potentially is only going to be there for one season you go back to a year ago and when the Broncos were evaluating their options they paid more in terms of draft picks for Russell Wilson than they would have expected to pay for Aaron Rodgers just because with Russell Wilson and of course hindsight's 2020 and you can go back to the trade the contract and everything else and evaluate it but they evaluated this as Russell Wilson's going to be the quarterback here for three, five, seven years. With Rodgers, it would be a, a one-off. So, you know, what exactly do the Packers get? I would guarantee you that they've done some research historically on players who at that stage in their career were traded. They have a pretty good uh, track record themselves, specifically trading a quarterback at the end to the Jets. Uh, with Favre, who was not a big price in that trade. And he ultimately spent one year there, retired a second time, unretired a second time, went to Minnesota and beat the Packers twice in 2009. Different spot right now uh, with Aaron Rodgers, but some of the some of the similar dynamics here. And then the money is a factor. Not everybody's going to want to pay that type of money and pay out draft picks for a one-year rental. But there are spots like you mentioned the Jets. You know they seem to have everything else in place. They've got a really good young roster. They seem like they're set up well, but they don't have a quarterback. That may be a team that's that's willing to go all in on this. Teams like Tennessee, 
They run a variation of a similar offense. Could they potentially get involved? You mentioned the Raiders. I think that the natural connections with them are probably more so guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, who have run that system Josh McDaniels is going to want to, but you can't cross them off. I mean, half the league right now, Rich, doesn't have a firm quarterback plan. If you look around the league, how many teams right now can you confidently say we know who their starting quarterback is? All of which is to say, if Rodgers decides he wants to play and does not want to play in Green Bay or does not want to play under whatever circumstances are laid out for how the Packers are going to proceed here, then he's going to become available and the Packers are going to have a market for him. But also the other dynamic here is because he basically has veto power over any destination because of both the contract and the the retirement threat, he can narrow it down to more or less one team and say, I'm only going there. And then you lack the, you know, let's say the, you know, the type of leverage that the Texans have with Deshaun Watson, where you could pin a price, say everybody's got to meet it, and then let four teams all try to beat each other out for the guy. Tom Palacero here on the Rich Eisen Show. Our colleague at the NFL Media Group, David Carr, speaking on NFL Total Access Monday night about his brother Derek, saying that uh, he's going to go on a long free agency tour and, and – uh, he's already, as we all know, uh, the Saints were interested prior to his release. He had a, a meeting with the Jets that, by all accounts, went very well. Don't you think he would? He, it would be best suited for him to make his move before Rodgers and the rest of the free agency begins? He's got the dance floor all to himself. Wouldn't you think he would tell a team, you want me, you can get me now, if you're going to wait for Rodgers or wait for anybody else, wait to see what the Ravens do with the franchise tag with with uh, with Lamar Jackson, that you know you could lose me. Don't you think he should use the moment for the to strike while the iron's hot? What what, what can you tell me on that front? Tom? Well, that's assuming that any of those teams involved have made an offer, much less an offer that's at the price that Derek Carr would want. If you're the Jets and you're waiting to see what happens with Aaron Rodgers, you're probably not rushing to give Derek Carr thirty million a year right now, or whatever the number might be that he's got in his head that he should be getting on the marketplace. Absolutely. I mean, all these dominoes are interconnected, but the best offer for Derek Carr also might be out there after somebody misses out or after Rogers goes back to green Bay. There's, there's a lot of, it, it is a fascinating environment. It reminds me of last year where there were some things that happened. For instance, I mean, think about this last year, you go back, Rich, the Falcons believed that they had a shot at the Sean Watson. So they go, as far in as they were willing to go there. They weren't going to do the fully guaranteed contract, but they made their swing at it, and then he chooses Cleveland. Well, in the meantime, Matt Ryan's looking at that and saying, you know what, I'm probably going to want to move on here. So then they deal him to Indianapolis for a third-round pick. Meanwhile, the Russell Wilson deal gets done to Denver. Washington is watching that happen and watching the Matt Ryan trade happen. They go, well, we can't miss out. They all of a sudden drastically increase their offer for Carson Wentz, and acquire him. All those things were on parallel tracks, and they all impacted one another. So now, let's say by the end of the week, Aaron Rodgers makes his decision, and whatever that decision is, everything else now is going to play off of that. If he decides to go back to Green Bay, or he says, hey, I only want to be traded to, let's say, Las Vegas, now all of a sudden the Jets might be willing to go stronger in for a Derek Carr. So Carr's doing you know, what he should, which is evaluating his options here. If somebody blows him away with an offer, I would expect that he would take that offer. Mm-hmm. He had a chance to go to the Saints. They agreed to the framework of a trade with the Raiders before that visit. But my understanding was the contract, which would have $40 million guaranteed, was an issue for New Orleans. And so he could still end up back there. He could end up with the Jets. 
I saw Frank Reich was talking today saying they're not ready to say whether they'll bring him in for a look with the Panthers, but there's a lot of different options out there, and the best offer for Derek Carr might come after some of these other dominoes fall. So give me, Tom Pelissero, the name of a team that doesn't have, one would think, uh, a seat at the game of musical chairs or the quarterback carousel that appears set that might change minds. Give me the name of a team that, you know, do you think would sit on the quarterback carousel that we're not talking about right now? You got one? Uh, I would not overlook Baltimore. I don't know how much you've talked about that, but the reality is there is a scenario here where they trade Lamar Jackson for a significant number of draft picks. They've tried for over a year to get a deal done. I know everybody just says, pay Lamar. They're trying. They're just doing it under the traditional structure that's not a fully guaranteed contract like Deshaun Watson got with, from a football perspective, unprecedented leverage. Lamar is still two years away from getting to the, the open market because they could tag him twice at relatively reasonable numbers, less than what they've been offering him on a long-term deal. If this thing goes sideways, if they can't get something done, I fully anticipate they're going to tag Lamar Jackson. If they use the exclusive tag, they can shop him around and see what type of price they potentially can get. Or they could use the non-exclusive tag, let somebody else negotiate with them, and then depending what that offer is, they could match it, basically let somebody else do their dirty work for them and get the long-term contract done, or let them go for two first-rounders. I think that that's a, a real scenario that you have to evaluate. As we move forward here, I think that until Seattle gets something done with Geno Smith, you can't rule out the possibility that they potentially are going to end up back in the quarterback market. Uh, you know, we mentioned some of the others. Washington has said they're committed to Sam Howell. Is the right situation out there that they could be in the market for a quarterback? I would certainly expect. I don't think that you roll and just say, you know, it's, it's Sam Howell or bust for the commanders. They're going to have another quarterback regardless. I don't know how much the appetite the Colts have to go back into that veteran quarterback market once again, you know, but their quarterback situation is unsettled. Obviously, we talked about the Raiders and the Jets. What do the 49ers do? Brock Purdy's got surgery tomorrow. We'll know more about his prognosis and his readiness for the start of the season after that. Carolina's in that mix. Arizona's got to do something because we simply don't know when Kyler Murray is going to get back on the field. I don't anticipate that's going to be making some big trade, but they may – spend some money at the position just so they can compete in the short term. And then you got Tennessee that has Ryan Tannehill under contract. He's due, I think, $27 million, no guarantees. So they've got decisions that they're going to have to make. You know, Miami has said that they're confident in Tua Tungavailoa's health. They're going to need another quarterback, though, because Teddy Bridgewater was on a one-year deal. We can go on and on. I mean, there's so many of these teams. We haven't even mentioned the Giants. Who I was going to ask you that. What about the Giants? Is is it is it true? Forty five million dollar a year ask for Daniel Jones? What about is that? What is I, it really? I have there? not heard specifically the forty five million dollar number. I do anticipate that if a Daniel Jones deal gets done, it begins with a four. Wow! If you look at all the deals that have gotten done uh, with quarterbacks over the past couple of years here. They're all 40 plus million. You know, if you, Kirk Cousins got 40 million last year on a one year, $40 million extension, you've got Stafford was right at the $40 million mark. Obviously, Kyler was above that. Mahomes was above that. The Rogers deal, you know, is deflated with two dummy years on the back end, but really it's a $50 million per year deal. All these deals that are getting done are at that number. And you could say, well, Daniel Jones hasn't accomplished what those guys had or, you know, doesn't have, 
you know, the playoff wins and, and things like that. So he already picked up, you know, one in his young career here, but he's still, he's a young quarterback. His worst case scenario right now would seem to be he gets tagged for 30 plus million dollars this year. Then if a deal doesn't get done again, potentially gets tagged for 120% of that next year. He's got a lot of reasons if he's willing to bet on himself to say that I want, you know, I want to have a contract that's in line with those other quarterbacks. And this is a time, Rich, that the salary cap is going to be a record number. What is it? 224.8, I think, next season. The biggest jump non-COVID related that in NFL history in terms of the cap. We could, by the end of some of these long-term deals that are getting done, we could have a $300 million per club cap. You're talking about five, six, seven years out. I mean, the, the gambling revenue, the TV revenue, the Sunday ticket deal, that's all going to continue to cause the salary cap to rise here. And so, you know, the smart agents, I think, in a lot of cases are being patient with some of these guys, especially if you've got the leverage right now, which Daniel Jones does, which is, hey, if you don't get this done, well, then you're going to have to tag me. Now you're forced to either get something done with Saquon or run the risk of losing him. Again, it's there's one of the situations, Rich, where all these different things are kind of interconnected here, and really the Giants of the team this year that you have to look at when you got two pretty clear franchise tag candidates, there's going to be some urgency on the club end to get something done by March 7th. And then last one for you, Tom Pellicero, by the way, great job spinning us around that carousel there. Uh, last one for you uh, was the, late, the final hire of the uh, NFL coaching uh, season, Jonathan Gannon, the former defensive coordinator, now the new Arizona Cardinals head coach. A video the Cardinals put together of him greeting Cardinals players um, kind of went viral because there was a, sort of a, a, a Steve Buscemi, how do you do fellow kids type meme um, that went out there with it. And just seeing him, you know, go up to Kyler Murray and say, you know, people ask him, well, you know, why would you take a, a, this open job? Well, you know, do they have a franchise quarterback? Yes, they do. And then they hire, you know, a 35-year-old coach who I'd not heard of before, to be honest with you, and this had, doesn't have to do with his qualifications. All I could sit here and say, like, is Murray going to be – got to sell him on the program. And, and I know the NBA and the NFL are different, uh, but if Murray doesn't buy into Drew Petzing coming in from the, the, the Browns and, and he's rehabbing his knee, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I just didn't get the best possible vibe, to be honest with you. And I'm wondering if, the, if that's something that's shared by the NFL community. And you could tell me completely otherwise. What, what are you hearing on that front? Well, let's start with Jonathan Gannon. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of swagger to him. Yep. He is very, very confident. If you have seen the viral video of him rolling down the window of his uh, SUV and yelling to some Eagles fans, we're going to bleep and gut these guys while sitting in traffic outside the stadium before the 49ers game, that's Jonathan Gannon. No, I saw he that. He doesn't think anybody's going to stop him. Yep. He's very, he's very confident as he's coming in, uh, and he's also very confident in his guys. He worked with Drew Petsing for years in Minnesota. Petsing's a guy who came up a lot like Kevin Stefanski did in terms of yeah. he coached like four or five different positions, spent time with the quarterbacks, the receivers, learned every aspect of the offense, and has been the number one guy in Dan with OC uh, for a, a number of years. Yeah, he's a 35-year-old, uh, first-time offensive coordinator, never called plays in an NFL game, but somebody who was you know highly regarded certainly on that Cleveland staff as well. And then, you know, on the defensive side, too, let's also mention they're going to have the youngest coordinator in the NFL, one of the youngest in history, and Nick Rallis, who's 29 years old. Funny story on that, 
like I went back in my email and found it 15 years ago, an email from my buddy going, who was coaching uh, youth football at the time in our hometown of Edina, Minnesota, saying there's this kid on my team who's just unbelievable. He's going to be even better than his brother, Nick Rallis. At this point, he's coaching like nine-year-olds. Rallis was a, you know, he came up and he was a star player in high school, starred at the University of Minnesota. His brother is Madcap Moss, the WWE wrestler who also played at the University of Minnesota. Nick's a really sharp guy, so much so that the Eagles were trying to keep him, and at least one other team was also trying to hire him after he got that offer from the Cardinals. So it's a young staff. He'll balance it out with, you know, an older staff sure. with, you know, some other coaches that they're going to bring in. I don't want to be an ageist because, again, I, 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 to be honest, yeah. just if, just jumping in here, I was a 26-year-old getting on SportsCenter, and a lot of people might have thought, who the hell is this young kid? And, uh, and I, I, I don't mean to be an ageist. I, I'm wondering how this plays with Kyler Murray and his future there, to be very honest with you, Tom. Right. And so with Kyler, again, it's a unique situation because he's hurt. You know, he's, he's rehabbing from a knee injury. Maybe he's ready around midseason. We'll see. You would not anticipate that they're going to take any chances with Kyler Murray. And I would fairly say that even though Jonathan Gannon said, you know, whatever the line was, make no mistake, we're going to win games here. I don't think realistically the Cardinals are approaching 2023 as a year where they're going to win big. You're going to have to, you know, slice some things in terms of salaries, move on from some older players, uh, certainly in terms of, uh, you know, Kyler not being ready. You're not going to be playing with, as, as Gannon would say, an elite quarterback. So this is very much going to be a, a rebuild type of year, and you're going to have time for some of these young coaches to grow into it. Now, how Kyler reacts to things behind the scenes, how he embraces the offense, how he embraces this coaching staff, how he approaches everything about his job is, of course, going to be worth monitoring for all the all the discussions that have gone into this over the last couple of years about uh, Kyler's approach. But, you know, Gannon's right on one thing. In terms of just pure talent, Kyler Murray is one of the most talented players and, and dynamic playmakers uh, within the league. If things don't work out, if he's not the same quarterback, his contract is certainly movable in the future. You're not going to do it right now because the guy is coming off of an injury, mm-hmm. but certainly you would have some pivot points down the line. But the, the number one relationship here is going to be I think even more so than Drew Petsing, it's going to be Jonathan Gannon with Kyler Murray. Because one thing, listen, going all the way back to when he was at Oklahoma, when you talked to people on Kyler Murray, what you were told was he's not what you normally think of in terms of a quarterback leader. He didn't really hang out with teammates. He hung out with the baseball players there. He's more to himself. He's very intense. And everybody respected the hell out of him because he's such a talented player. So you're not going to suddenly turn him into – you know, I mean, name your quarterback. It's not going to be Phillip Rivers overnight. But you've got to get the best out of Kyler Murray and make sure that, you know, from a program perspective, he fits into what you want to do. And they're embracing that challenge right now. I don't think that Jonathan Gannon went in there and said, hey, I want to move on from Kyler Murray ASAP. But let's see all this, all, all how all this works out, and we probably won't see it on the field until next November at best. Tom, thanks for the time, man. Look for more of my calls. We'll chat again soon. Combine right around the corner. Franchise tags can be applied, slapped, however you want it today. So news is going to start breaking fast. Thanks for the call. You got it, Rich. Thanks. Tom, Tom Pelissero, at Tom Pelissero on Twitter. Follow him. You should. I do. He's awesome. A lot of food for thought right there. Interesting. All right, we'll take a break. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial here on the program, the New York quarterback scene. Oh, baby. We'll talk about that. Your phone calls. We also have Jordan Palmer talking about the next crop of quarterbacks coming up. 
Battle Creek, Michigan, 1963. Kellogg's and Post, sworn cereal rivals, race to create a pastry that will change the face of breakfast forever. A wildly imaginative tale of ambition, betrayal, and menacing milkmen, sweetened with artificial ingredients. Unfrosted stars Jerry Seinfeld in his directorial film debut. It features a supporting cast of comedy greats, including Melissa McCarthy, Jim Gaffigan, Hugh Grant, Amy Schumer, Max Greenfield, Christian Slater, Sarah Cooper, Bill Burr, and many more. Streaming right now on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 844-204-RICH, number to dial here on The Rich Eisen Show. Words that I know you don't like, Chris Brockman. Uh We've done this eight plus years now. I I think, you know, there's many, many things that set you off easily, but we're entering that part of the calendar year where the words that set off Chris the most are going to start to be said quite a bit. The quarterback gets paid on the it's open market, turn. what the market value is because it's his turn. That's preposterous. I used to be on your side with this. Yes. Right? And, I, and I think I'm on his side. Well... You better, I, you, better, you better, you better, you better come back home to my side because the way I've been laying it out is just what's known as spitting facts. It's fact, but I don't have to. Lick We're not going to live in a world, okay, where Daniel Jones. Yes, we are. Makes more than Patrick Mahomes. Yes, we are. No, we are not. It's coming. That is not a world that I'm going to choose to live in. I think it's going to happen. I'm going to eat cow going to take you me heard, away. You just heard Tom Pelissero say whatever the number is is what Daniel Jones makes is going to start with a four. $40 million a year quarterback. And the Giants will be laughed out of the league, and they okay. will never win a playoff game again. Didn't didn't we hear that Daniel Jones being drafted? Joel Klatt came on the air the next day and said that it's going to set the Giants franchise back years. Well, they just won a playoff that. game. It took he, five years to win a playoff that game, like a, Ask the Minnesota Vikings if he looked like a $40 million a year quarterback. He sure did. Yeah, ask the Eagles how he looked. Understood. <laughs> And that's your point, is that you don't pay somebody $40 million a year just to win one playoff game and hit your head on the ceiling. That's insane. I know, but that's the way it works. And if you don't like it, then don't own an NFL team because this is the way it's going to happen. Okay, well, I was going to buy one, but no, I'm not. They should tell him to pound (laughs) sand and draft someone. There is less pie. Let me ask you this. (laughs) Let me ask you this. This is a good one. And Daniel's a nice guy. This is great sports talk radio. Let's throw in another nice guy into this. Which quarterback would be, because you know we love talking about pressure. Oh, I love pressure. It makes diamonds. Yeah, bust pipes. Here we go. Which New York quarterback would be under more pressure next year, making $40 million a year, Derek Carr or Daniel Jones? If the Jets signed Derek Carr for 40, Derek Carr's going to get $40 million? What do you think? Per year? Yeah, brother, <laughs> it's his turn. Unless his they turn reset this what? market, unless they reset this market, Dak makes forty million a year. How many playoff games does he want? All due respect, I mean two, one. He makes forty million a year. We don't know. He's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a man, just a little bit. Quarterback of the New York Jets. 
That's not the Doesn't same, baby. Doesn't mean anything. It's not the it's same. It's 2023. Yeah. With all due respect, it's not the same, right? New York City. East Everybody back off. Jersey. Everybody back off. We all understand where that Lower is. Park. King of the heap. <laughs> top, of, <laughs> top, of, top of the heap. King of the hill. A number one. There's a song about it. From Hoboken. Diesel down <laughs> Great retort. Yes. Metropolitan. <laughs> yeah, of course. There's a bridge. It connects them. Seriously. So answer the question. Who's under more pressure? Stop putting aside like they're not worth it. Can we, can we? The market will bear what the market will bear, and most likely it will bear fruit for both of these guys. Daniel Jones stays put, forty million a year. Derek Carr comes in, forty million a year. Who's under more pressure? I know the answer to that question. It's Daniel Jones. Damn straight. Well, Chris, what's Aaron Rodgers going to make? Because he's actually going to be in New 60 York. Sixty, if so. he's he's not coming to New York. <laughs> you don't think so? No. Still the favorite. Great. Don't 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 take it. I, I think he's going to uh, eventually realize. You perfect spot for him, Vegas. Perfect spot for him, Tennessee. Both of those, or Tennessee. stay, or stay put in Green Bay. All those spots Who's he throwing are to unlike New York City. Again, the whole business of King of the Hill, all that business, the media crush, everything that he says that's out of the lane of sports that doesn't get brought up to him when he's standing in front of his locker in Green Bay won't be brought up to him when he's standing in front of his locker in Las Vegas or Tennessee. It will one million percent be brought up to him standing in front of his locker in New York City. Everything he says outside of the lane of sports will be brought up saying, what did you mean by that? Really? What is your definition of woke, Aaron? That won't be asked of him. In all those other spots, it will be in New York. And I think he'll eventually say that he doesn't want a piece of that. Despite winning in New York and him having a generational talent that could bring a Super Bowl there. And Canyon Heroes and picking his confetti out of his hair. That said, Daniel Jones, right? Yeah, absolutely. Boy, if he makes forty million a year, Hold on, I'm tweeting this out. He makes forty million a year because at least Eli, when Eli struck it rich, there was a trophy in the case, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd beaten the Patriots, and it was time for his new contract. The hell going on? <laughs> it's coming. This is what happens <laughs> in exactly every year. The market the gets reset, and if you walk <laughs> into the free spot. agent market, and That's it's your time. Hey, Derek Carr got released by Vegas. Daniel Jones won a playoff game. <laughs> you don't think he's going to make a number with a four in front of it? You just heard it from Tom Pelissero. Jordan Palmer is going to talk about the next crop of quarterbacks coming up. I, I, I know that he's going to make it because these GMs are morons. <laughs> like, you don't have morons. to do You don't have to pay them this. You don't. That's correct. What you have to do then is start with somebody fresh. And hope that you win it in the first iteration of their contract in the same way the Giants did with Eli before the market got like this. Because that was before they reconfigured how you pay rookies. But also the way that Mahomes is on contract number two. His contract at the time, half billion dollars. How does that look right now? Genius. Correct. So... Maybe you pay Daniel Jones this now, and a few years from now, it he looks ain't genius. He going to be Mahomes, dude. Well, you got you to hope that he can beat Mahomes if he's in front of him. One of these days, one of these teams is going to figure out, you just churn it through. I draft a guy in the first round. He's my quarterback for five years. I out. say goodbye, I know and that. I start so over. Again, I know. Somebody's going to do it, and it's going to change the I, sport. I always peg the Ravens as being that team first. They should do it. What a, t- what a risk that is, man. Look at all. Look at look, please. What all a the, risk! All the one playoff game they won in five years. Mm. Don't forget about the jerseys they sell. 
And the relevance that they have. Don't forget. They'll sell New Jersey. You sound like Seinfeld now. You root for the laundry. It's true. Come on. I don't know. One team might do it. Certainly, if it if you start to have to pay your quarterback forty million a year 40, with one playoff win on their resume, playoff, get out of here. Be prepared to have this conversation more often because this is that type of season.